0: Folks, I have never been great at sitting down and doing a bunch of research to find the right tag in the right state for the right species. That's why I rely on Eastman's Tag Hub. I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet, but Eastman's Tag Hub takes a trusted hunting research you rely on and have for years to a powerful new digital platform. You could jump in there and find the right hunting units in 11 different states and try to find the perfect tag to fit your budget and your goals it's a great way to cut out all that external research that just gives you a headache and if you're anything like me you just don't have the patience for let them do the work for you and the cool part about eastman's tag hub is it's a monthly payment option you don't have to pay some big fee to get into it it starts at like seven bucks a month And it gives you access to everything to include access to the world-famous Eastman's Hunting Journal magazines. It's a great deal, guys. Check it out at taghub.eastmans.com. There exists a threat. From anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Time studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. And this week we are going to be kind of going back to the wolf discussion, which is one of my favorite topics, uh, with a fan favorite, and I'm going to bring him in just a minute. Before I get to that, I'd like to make a quick announcement about Hoffman Boots. You guys know we're right at the beginning of the year. Uh, and it's kind of st- it's that time of year where it's a good time to start planning your gear lists in everything that you're going to need this season because spring turkeys right around the corner, spring bears right around the corner, and you know before we know it it's going to be September archery elk hunting. So uh, head on over to HoffmanBoots.com and check out I for for me I um I have never tried the Summits but I keep hearing really good things about them. I use the Hoffman Explorers. I uh, like the eight inch. Uh, They give you excellent support in the ankle. They just keep your feet glued to the mountain. Uh, They're totally waterproof. And you're not going to drop a small fortune getting these boots. They are just as good as those $500 boots out there for a heck of a lot less. And if you use promo code HUNTSMAN10, all caps lock, you're going to get 10% off. So check it out at HoppinBOOTS.com. And again, that promo code is huntsman 10 and, uh, another one that I just want to do a quick mention just because of the time of year, these guys are not like an official show sponsor, but I'm a huge fan of Batum 907. And we are right up to that point in which it's time to start gearing up for bear baiting. And for all of you that are going to be baiting bears in the spring, head on over to Batum 907 and check out all the scent products they have. Uh that stuff works great for me guys. Uh really seriously it's a great company, a small company. Uh Jess runs a, a tight ship over there and if you've got questions, she'll uh, jump on and and answer them for you. So all right, with that, I'd like to bring on my buddy Tom Schneider from Stuck in the Rut. Tom, welcome back, brother. I appreciate you joining me again.
1: Hey, thank you for having me. I always enjoy our conversations. <laughs>
0: Hey, I, I heard you were cheating on me and you, you went and recorded a podcast with, uh, Dirk Durham.
1: Oh yeah. He, uh, he called me up and, and, uh, yeah, he created, well, in some way, shape or form, we created that new wolf howler, the easy howler. And he had me on there just right before they launched it. And so, yeah, it was a good time. Dirk, Dirk's awesome.
0: Yeah, no, he's, he's great, man. I, I, uh. It's funny because, um, I bought usually Dirk, just when they get a new call that he'll send me one, you know, and, uh, he knows I'm a terrible wolf hunter. So I think that's why Mm -hmm. I didn't get one. So I bought one. And (laughs) the, the funny part is, is so I had it out and I'm trying it out and we've got this like golden retriever puppy. He's, he's a little over a year old, you know, and he's actually pretty good. He's not like super destructive. Like most puppies are, you know? Well, he gets a hold of my wolf howler and chews the reed part completely off, like in, in in a matter of like three seconds. <laughs> and so, I sent I sent Dirk a picture of uh, my chewed up wolf howler and uh, a picture of my guilty ass dog, and uh, he turned around and sent me a new one. So I, I appreciate those guys over there. What? Yeah. So you guys, you were doing like the uh, kind of original testing with this wolf howler. Tell me a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, so um, I honestly just reached out to Dirk. I'm like, you guys ever thought of doing a wolf howler? And then we just started brainstorming. That's where it really started. I just reached out to him because he because they they always hook us up with good elk calls every single year. You know, yeah, um, we knock a lot of nice bulls on the ground every single year. And I'm like, we you should try to make one because I I've ran some, you know, in the back country, but um, I was like, I would like to build. It'd be nice just to build our own. Um, because mm-hmm. there's not really, I think the best way to say this is people that are building calls for wolves have not really had success themselves. And for me, I've been around wolves long enough. I kind of know the sounds they make. And so, um, so Dirk would bounce ideas back and forth. He'd send me a howler. He'd send me some reads. And I'm like, no, that's not the right sound. And so, uh, he'd go back to the, um, scrapbook or, or the I guess you could call the whiteboard the design.
0: Yeah. The design table, whatever. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so he would, and it took probably about an entire year until he gave me the right call. And I was like, yeah, that's about right. And, um, pretty much. So he he handed me a demo and the first time I ever ran the demo, I threw this howl, and it was, I kid you not, I left the pickup. And I'm like, I'll throw a howl before I start hiking. I howl, and a wolf howls up the canyon, like, a long ways away. Uh huh. I'm like, oh, I'm like, all right. I don't really have to hike far. You know, I was expecting a long day of hiking. But as I was getting my gear together, that howl was getting closer and closer and closer. I'd hear howl, I'm like, mm, that's a lot more clear. At first, I could hardly tell it was a wolf. The second time I heard the howl, I'm like, that was pretty clear. <laughs> the third time, I'm like, holy crap, this wolf is coming in fast. So I, I just, like grab my gun, and just run up the trail where this wolf is coming in. I could hear it coming. And, you know, the unfortunate truth was is I had no time to plan what my wind was doing or anything like that. I just ran up the trail. I'm like, this wolf is going to meet me head on on this trail. But the wind was blowing right up the trail. That and nuts. I know. I, I, the thing is, is I just – I wish – I wish that never happened because I wish the wind was blowing the opposite direction. If it was, I think this wolf would be dead. But anyways, it just went all of a sudden, it went quiet. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, well, the, I'm sure that wolf winded me. And I was looking up the trail, the direction I heard that last howl. Like, hmm. Like, well, I didn't get all my, I didn't even have a chance to get all my hunting gear out of the pickup yet. So I turned around to go back to my pickup, and there's the wolf standing right there right behind
0: me. Oh, geez, really? <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, and then I, actually... I, I,
1: I didn't even have time to pull up the gun. He just bolted in the heavy timber, and then he threw a little whiny howl in the timber, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, why? That would have been an easy one. I could literally still see the pickup. I was not quite out of view from the pickup yet. It was that, I was literally that close. <laughs> but that was my first experience in using the demo. And huh. I was like, well, I message Derek. I was like, well, it works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't, I didn't know that dude. I didn't know that like kind of you, you approached him about that because it's, it's funny you say that. I, I, uh, I don't remember if I asked him about it or not, but I bought some wolf howler from, I, I don't even remember who the other company was, but they didn't have like any, um, people like you out there actually showing how well it works. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and, but I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to, I'm going to buy it. And and this is, this was like five years ago. Um, and, and so I go buy it and there was like no back pressure with it. And so it was hard to do like a long drawn out wolf howl, Mm -hmm. um, versus, versus with this one. Um, and, and you can actually sound like a wolf and actually draw it out. And, and I like it because there's a lot of volume control. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's cool, man. There, like, there's nobody that I could think of that, because, because Tom, I, I got to tell you, man, I, I, I feel strongly that you are one of the most well versed and versatile, most skilled hunters in the state of Idaho. Uh, like, you're just solid on. I don't care if you're hunting archery elk or giant mule deer or wolves, uh, you just always get it done. And, Thank you. and so it's, it's super fun. It's, it's, it's fun for two reasons, man, because A, you're so effective, but B, I feel like we're kind of neighbors. You live, uh, you're, you're up in Bonners, right? Bonners Ferry. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Not too far. And, it's, you, and I do travel quite a bit to Idaho, of course, too. So I don't always yeah. have my neck of the woods, but, um, uh, but yeah, yeah, we live up there.
0: Yeah, no, that's, and, and Bar's Ferry, man, Um, I, w- I was just there the other day, actually, I should have hit you up, we could have grabbed a, a, a cup of coffee or something, but um, <laughs> you, uh, d- last time we spoke, I want to say, was that you that was, you were kind of working on building a house?
1: Yeah, I was building a house, now it's built, and so I'm in it right now, actually, in the office. Um, How so is the it? House is, so the house is built, um, but the landscaping hasn't started, and honestly... I don't care much for landscaping, but being that I'm in a neighborhood, I have the neighbors. I got all these retired neighbors and and they're oh. always and they they they're great, but they have nothing better to do. And they just like, when are you gonna start your landscaping? <laughs> Whatever and you're just like, I have the life. I mean, I got other things I gotta do. I'm still yeah. a young buck and I still got to work full time and hunt. So it's hard to make time to do landscape. but I will do a little, I mean, obviously I'll, I got to get started in the spring on it. The problem was is I got my house built in the summer. So it was just like, they tried to plant anything and it dried up. I couldn't get any, oh, yeah. I couldn't get any grass established or anything. So I'm like, I'm not even going to, so I just let, I just planted a bunch of, I did a mix with clover. I'm like, well, at least I'll have some deer that'll trim it down. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That'll help. Yeah. Just, that's a great idea, man. Plant half clover. You'll, you'll get the whitetail on there. They'll just keep a grass mode for you so you can hunt more. Oh yeah. And see how the neighbors so, like that. Cause then they'll eat oh, all your grass and go to the neighbor's house and, and eat their grass for complaining.
1: Oh yeah. And so, yeah. So that's pretty much what I did is just did a little mixture and, um, and also the clover does help the grass grow. It just kind of, um, at least it yeah. germinates quicker. Um, But yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was at with the house, but yeah, no, I'm a little, I'm a lot more settled in. Um, my wife and kids are all settled in as well. And yeah, now I can do a lot, you know, um, spend a lot more time hunting wolves and everything else in between. And, oh, I mean, yeah, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great, man. Uh, you're, you're kind of where I, I am, uh, Hoping to be by next winter, with which is our house is done and we're living in it, and I'm not even worried about the landscaping yet. So, <laughs> there you go.
1: That's nice. Well, so, you're yeah, you're you're living in the kind of little somewhat off grid, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, I it, it depends on how you define off grid. We, we're uh-huh. not in any kind of neighborhood, we're just off in the woods on our own acreage. Um, no neighbors. Uh, in fact, I had uh, interestingly. Today on my, I have those tacticam reveals all over my property, you know. Uh-huh. And we've got like this high part and a mid part and a low part on on the property. And up at the high end um, is where I get all the all the big game. And so this morning it started off. I I, uh, I had all these mule deer up there, which is pretty rare. I that's only the second time I've seen mule deer on my property. They're usually up in the high country, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the muleys are hanging out. And then I've got, I've got a salt lake up there and the mule deer apparently like the salt lake, but it's there for the elk. Well, like then you see in the background, uh, these elk kind of moving in on the mule deer and this one elk gets pretty upset with them. And, and the picture progression is really funny because she starts moving in and just getting real bossy with these mule deer and the mule deer run off and then the elk are there the rest of the day. (laughs) So it's, it's pretty fun, man. It's it's like the entertainment for me uh th- this time of year is i just get to watch my trail cameras you learn oh, a lot
1: awesome. yeah you do yeah, yeah you do yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah so so yeah man we're not we're not off grid we have power and everything but uh we are homesteading uh in our own way and uh, sure I guess that we have chickens I, yeah i guess that's
1: probably the better way to say it, that you're homesteading because um you're just yeah you're living you know away from civilization, but yet, I mean, you still got power. We're still doing a podcast right now. So you still have that sort of thing, but, um, but you yep. still, but you're still somewhat, you, you're, I mean, you have a space away from society and that's good. I mean, it's, yeah. it's good. It's good to, uh, um, you know, I mean, I guess you say you're there's more deer around you than there is neighbors.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, I, I would yeah. venture to say that there are more black bears, uh, around us than, than there are neighbors. Um, yeah. And, and so that makes it fun. But yeah, man, I, I, I think that I'm just kind of getting to that point where I'm, I'm old enough and grumpy enough that I I've done the whole, um, you know, bitchy retired neighbor thing, uh, Mm -hmm. that, that are getting after me for, because, you know, to them every day is Saturday. And so I'm not, I'm not, uh, disparaging them, but they take a lot of pride in their yard and I did too, but I was working 70 hours a week, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I just I've done that whole thing, and and uh, I don't want any more Karens next door. I don't want any, um, any of it, man. We love it. It's uh, we, plus we just want to be as self reliant off the land as we can through hunting and gardening and foraging and everything else that we could do. Uh, it's just our lifestyle, and so we're we're really happy here.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And and that, I mean, and even us, said like, we really don't have it bad. I mean, we like I said, my neighbors are good, but um, it's just like yeah, it's just it's nice to get away from society in some way shape or form and and you know i actually grew up at the base of a mountain and that was like i mean i was spoiled i considered spoiled i don't know if you call it spoiled or blessed but i both yeah a little bit of both and we honestly lived at the wintering range of elk and so i got to see elk regularly throughout the winter uh, back, This was back before the wolves, and so we had a lot of deer, a lot of elk in our neck of the woods, um, and it was, yeah, it was it was a little paradise, and I think it's just what we've, I think people say is uh you don't know how good you had it until it's gone, and now I, I just, you know, it's an area that I would not even hunt elk anymore just because the wolves, you know, just hammered it so hard, and I mean, and I still, I've been preaching to people that there's areas where I'm seeing recovery, I'm seeing deer and elk numbers return. Uh, but the way it used to be, now we're not there yet. We still got some time.
0: Yeah, there's still a lot of work to do, man, and that's mm-hmm. um, that. I think that that's where, like, it brings me to you, where you've you figured out this wolf thing. And but I, before we get there, I I have a question about that because yeah. you're a really good elk hunter as well, and obviously <clears throat> you're you're a you're a pretty solid deer hunter. Um. Growing up like that, with with being able to watch and monitor these animals all winter on their winter range and kind of seeing just how they behave, how they interact with each other, how they um, behaviorally are throughout the day and throughout different seasons. And do you feel like that made you a better hunter? Uh, being yeah. Being familiar with those animals like that?
1: Oh, yeah. And just watching elk like on the daily, I mean, it, I almost felt mm-hmm. like, especially in the wintertime, you know, they. They would like they get in the weirdest crap like you know we would have like stuff in our garage and like we you know if the garage door was open the whole herd of elk would be in there and it's just like you'd chew elk out, you know i mean that's <laughs> <laughs> if that's, that's how nuts it, yeah so i mean that's how our that's what life used to be like uh back yeah. there and you know and it was pretty cool we'd have elk laying in the yard especially in the springtime when you have the the grass growing i mean we obviously we had was a Kentucky bluegrass and, you know, things that they don't have normally in the woods. So for some weird reason, they'd be drawn to the yard. They'd be drawn to my mom's like, um, her bush, the bushes and stuff that she'd grow around the yard, her landscaping and the deer and elk would just be all over that. Um, but we literally truly, we considered it a paradise. But the other thing, I mean, and this is not popular opinion, but not having dogs, was really what allowed animals to get that close to our house. Cause I mean, our neighbor, mm-hmm. anyone, and when I mean neighbors, like our closest neighbor was a mile away, but anyone else that I knew that had ant like dogs or something, the elk were, you know, they wouldn't get close to the house. I mean, you still see them, but they wouldn't get anywhere near the house. And so we didn't have dogs. Um, yeah. And, that makes sense. Yeah. the, and they, they just show like, the elk will go right up to your porch along with the deer and stuff. They're a lot more calm without that canine scent. And, I mean, and we see why. I mean, coyotes, wolves, they um, – that's kind of alarming to them, naturally. That, oh, absolutely. <laughs> that, that canine scent. So, uh, they say – I mean, they claim that – I don't know if it's true. I've never tried it before. But they claim that if you want to keep the deer out of your uh, landscaping and rose bushes, you put – coyote urine how much truth is is to that i don't know um but
0: i don't know i tried that around the garden at one of our old places it didn't work at all on those deer it's like that but the deer it was like they watched us put it on there and (laughs) so so it's like like, yeah we know what you're doing you're we're still going to eat your carrots and your lettuce um yeah but mm-hmm. but that that actually does make a lot of sense because I've got I, I've got my two dogs here and and uh, one of them my my older dog he's almost twelve he's a lab he's treed two bears on the property uh, there's but there's I, I guess there's pros and cons to it because the other side to that is I've never had a coyote or a raccoon or a skunk come in and try to steal our chickens because the dogs keep them away that's and true so you got to like you know you got to take your uh, you're good with the bad I just uh, but yeah, absolutely. I don't have elk coming right into the you know what we consider the home pad. We're mm-hmm. currently we're, we're in a fifth wheel. You know we they there's only been well there was a little there was a little two point that came in last summer, mm-hmm. uh, but the you know other than that they don't come in. And you're right, it's because of the dogs.
1: Yeah, well, like my brother Travis, he kind of has like a homestead similar near scenario where he has he has tons of chickens, tons of chickens. He has cows, ducks, everything, and yeah, um, they ended up having to get a dog. Just because of coyotes and other critters, you know what I mean. And
0: what kind of what kind of dog did he get? Do you mind asking me asking?
1: It's a very good. I don't know the breed, but it's like I think well, it's. Is it, it like almost, one of those
0: big Pyrenees white dogs? Yeah, it's like
1: they one of those big white dogs, like thick fur. But I mean, yeah. the thing almost has wolf mannerisms. I've been tempted to take a wolf hunting with me, but I don't think that, <laughs> I think they're so attached. You're like, no, we don't want our wolf to dive or our dog to dive. I'm like, that thing like is so like, that thing is so like wolfy in the way it runs, the way it trots. I'm like, man, that wow. would be a good dog to have with you when you get close to a wolf pack. Um, but there's only a couple areas of Idaho where you're allowed to use dogs. Um, and I don't believe our area fits in that category. So, and you mean and not use thermal use,
0: use dogs for hunting? Wolves? Yes, correct. Gotcha. And,
1: and so, yeah, because there's um, some of the newer laws. They, I think it was last year, they allow now you can use thermal, you can use dogs, and there's a few other um, things you can do. However, um, our unit doesn't apply to those additional methods unfortunately otherwise i would probably be tempted to to use dogs or you know because there's some wolves that don't travel a whole lot i mean i have wolves that i hunt that i mean it's just naturally in their area they just grew up traveling many many miles but then there's other wolves that i that i hunt and they just their territory is really small and they don't move a whole lot and it's really interesting to see the you know wolves have just such an adaptable behavior that that always blows me away every time I fall. I think every time I think, I mean, I still consider myself a very exceptional wolf hunter, but I think what makes me an exceptional wolf hunter is meaning I don't know everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's something to be said. There's, yeah, for sure. I mean, just having that uh, sense of, uh, uh, you know, your humble nature, because yeah. you are a humble guy. Um, and, and, uh, you know, that's what I, I, I really like about you is, is uh, uh, again, you know, I, I'm not trying to toot your horn the whole time, but I, you're, you've got to be one of the most effective hunters I know in the state of Idaho Thank Hell, you. for, for that case in, in most of the, the entire West. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but yet you're a humble guy, you know, I, we always run into each other because of the nature of w- where we live and, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's just always, always a pleasant conversation. So,
1: yeah. And when. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah. And, you know, it shows what type of people. I mean, you are, too. And um, in the sense that, like, you know, for example, the Idaho Fish and Game had a meeting of certain proposals that should be made. And, you know, it's like I saw you there. You and I both were there. You know, the meetings fall. I mean, you and I both know how many people complain about how wildlife are are being managed and stuff. But yet nobody ever shows up to those meetings. And to see you there and to see me there, see a couple other guys, that shows these are the people that really care about making decisions, you know, about our hunting seasons. I mean, and there's a lot to be said, like, about that. And people, you know, I think a lot of people think their vote never counts or what they say never counts, but you have no clue how much of a difference you make showing up at those meetings. I mean, I think sometimes I felt like my brother and I alone, have actually been the reason why certain laws or laws and regulations were made for certain species. Like I think the mule deer season in our area, for example, because our mule deer are doing so poorly. um, Like I was really passionate about shortening that mule deer season. And my brother was, and just a couple other guys, like I kind of reached out to a couple other guys, like we need to go to this meeting and shorten that mule deer season. And pretty much shortly afterwards, they shut, they, they shortened that mule deer season in half. And I was like, "That's well, because they, we showed
0: up." They needed up. to, and they yeah, needed they, to. They needed to. I, I filled, I filled their online thing out that year because yeah. uh, I was still down in Kootenai County. Uh-huh. But, but you make you make a great point, man. Um, that's what I want to tell people when when I see people complaining and moaning and kicking and screaming and throwing a tantrum about how they never get listened to on social media about, you know, whether it's the Idaho fishing game or, or, you know, it doesn't matter what state, it could be Washington or Colorado or Arizona, but you go to these meetings, I mean, what would you say were there the other night? Like 10 people? Yeah, 10. Like I mean, maybe 10 people? Yeah. In, in, in a county in, or or in a region that has north of 20,000 hunters. Yeah. And, and there was ten people there, and I was there for over an hour, and it never got any better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that is really frustrating. When, when that because you, you nailed it. People think that having a voice means getting on Facebook and and bitching about what the elk season is or what the what the IDFG is spending their money on, and 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 blah blah blah. But do they do anything about it? No. Like people don't show up to stuff like that, and and that what what people don't understand when they complain about not having a voice is what when you have say fifty hunters show up to a meeting like that, that has a lot more impact on the fish and game agency, especially in Idaho, than two thousand emails coming in from the anti-hunting movement saying stop hunting wolves. Yeah, You know, but there's power to the 50 people that are there in person voicing their opinions.
1: Yeah, it is. And and it shows the people that, like I said, that really, really care. And honestly, you know, like we give, we give crap. I mean, we are, I don't say we, I say hunters. When I say we, I say we as hunters. Sometimes we give crap to the fishing game and the wildlife biologists and how they're managed up. But they want to hear from you. I mean, you know who they are hearing from? angry farmers that elk are destroying their crops. And so, you know, there has to be a little bit of balance because, I, you know, talking at that meeting, where we're just like, man, I mean, we are, I'm glad we shortened the mule deer. Like, can we do something like the elk? And they said that they just get so many complaints about the elk destroying the crop and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the unfortunate truth is the farmers live in the wintering range where these elk are. And it also doesn't help either that the wolves... You know, they give a little bit more of a push, too, to yeah, the farm they chase fields.
0: Them out of the Yeah, they, they chase them out of the the, the, the high country, right, yeah. right into those uh, agricultural interfaces. Yeah, and,
1: so, and that happens as well. And, you, and there's an obvious result to that. We see it. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's unfortunate that that happens, but there has to be a little bit of pushback. I mean, I'm all about balance. Like, we need to help the farmers, but the farmers also need to understand, too, look, you're in their wintering range. We can't kill every single elk. I have watched a cow elk destroy an entire haystack, one cow elk. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. So,
1: so like, uh, you can't take out, like, if there's 50 50 herd of elk in the valley, you can't just kill every single one because um, that 50 head, yeah, sure, it seems like, oh, look, I don't know why the elk are not doing bad, but when you actually, when the snow melts and they have to, you split 50 head on thousands and thousands of acres, that's not a lot of elk. <laughs> that's not a lot of elk at all. No. And, yeah. And when I was younger, um, you know, we talk, I was talking about how I lived in a paradise. When you looked at the valley, there was 400 head here. There was 400 head there, 400 head there. And then when the snow melted, they'd pull up into their summering grounds, and they'd split up into herds about 30 to 40. So every single drainage had between 30 to 40 elk. You know, that was my childhood. And it was still a challenge. You still had to put in your time, but it used to be the people that didn't put in a lot of time killed a young bull. The people that put in a lot of time killed a big bull. Now it's kind mm-hmm. of now what it, now what it is the people that that don't put in a lot of time don't kill an elk at all, and the guys that put in a lot of time kill a young bull. because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. hard to even find an elk now. Our family and you mentioned it is an exception, and I'm not trying to you know rub pad myself on the back either, but. Um, our family's been here for years. We understand the corridors. And so sometimes we can make hunting look, I guess easy is probably the best way of saying it. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was talking to people they are like, man, like, and I try to not bring people up here because for one, it's just like, we live such a small unit. But the other thing too, is just like people, I, I was talking to a guy who was in Portland, Oregon the other day and some guy came up. He's like, Hey, stuck in road. I love your videos. And, We start talking, he's like, man, I got a tag and I hunted in your neck of the woods and I could not find an elk. I spent days in the mountains and, you know, honestly, it's just us, you know, we're, um, like I said, we've, we have a lot of experience hunting elk and, you know, and we know how to find them. And I think the really neat thing too, and this is kind of, sorry, I'm kind of going on a just roll here. And, um, no, you're good, man. Um, when we travel to hunt, I feel like we've done really well in, in hunting areas that we've never hunted before and still showing success. So like I could go to Southern Idaho and I could get into an elk pocket and find a big bull and take it down. I could, we could do that in Wyoming. We do that in Montana. I feel like we've gained this ability to do that because we understand wildlife behavior. And I'm a lot of, I have, you know, you you have complimented that we're in some way we're very effective hunters a lot of this I have to think of my older brother Travis. He is the mm. most adaptable hunter that I've ever known. And growing up, it was just like I felt like even my dad and some of these other old timers, I think everybody go gets into a routine in hunting, right? You have your hunting spot you always go to. This is where you always see the elk. But if you don't see the elk there, you they what do they do? They still go back to the same spots. And Honestly. Yeah, I've
0: been guilty of that before,
1: and I'm guilty of, and that's where my seeing that was my weakness when I was when I was a teenager. That's what I would do. I'm like, I'd see a big bull there at one time, and so what did I do? I'd go back and thinking that I'm going to catch that big bull there again. But you know what, my brother was. He was the guy that was killing a giant six point every single year as a high school kid. And what did he do that was different? He was a very adaptable individual. If they weren't there he would put the puzzle pieces together and he'd find them in this spot. And so my brother just, it happened, it came to him naturally. And, and so I still like, you know, Travis created stuck in a rep, but he was also the foundation of our skills in hunting because Mm -hmm. he already naturally just naturally had that ability to adapt. And I learned from him. I learned from him. Tana learned from him. Trevor learned from him. Adam, when he married my sister, you know, Adam was just one of those guys who, you know, he'd hunt, he did a little hunting, he drank a lot and stuff. But then when he met our family and married my sister, he like cleaned up, you know, didn't do like, he didn't do that stuff anymore. But then also he just like learned so much from hunting with us. And he's just like, wow, like I did not know, like, you know, his whole life, he's like always wanted to kill nice animals and he never knew. That it would ever come true, and now he's doing it. And it really, it's just and some of our friends that are close to us, same thing. They just if they hunt with us for a hunting season, also they gain that ability. Um, and so I feel like in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. we've taught a few people on how to be able to um, have that consistent success. But I, I could understand that it's tough if you didn't grow up doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I, and just just to confirm like this coming elk season uh you're you're hunting with me, I'm hunting with you kind of thing right the whole month. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty sure you committed to that yeah. at some point
1: hey i did I did say because you you know you have some wolf packs, and I said, <laughs> hey look, I'll help you out, brother like I'll go down there and help you out um we're actually I'm getting to a point where I'm running out of wolves up here, so I mean there's there's a couple but I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy That's a good it.
0: problem to have.
1: It is a good problem to have. It's it's funny. And I try not saying it out loud, but I guess I'm on a podcast. So I am saying it out loud. Um, but I'm starting to miss them a little. I'm <laughs> just kidding.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're going to get like tar and feathered, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. no, I'm kidding. But actually you're, uh, you're kind of experiencing, um, you know, my buddy, Jacob denim, you know, Jacob.
1: Yeah. I know Jacob.
0: Uh, He's he's kind of seeing something along the same lines where it, it's been like a tougher season, uh, just in terms of wolf numbers, uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, but yeah, I, I'd love to go wolf hunting. What my problem is, I don't have a snowmobile, mm-hmm. and so I have to do it once the snow's gone, kind of thing, because I, I just, I, I can't get up there. I, one day I'm just gonna bite the bullet and buy one, but I'm not buying anything until this house is done. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm,
1: I'm I the same, boat. So I didn't. Uh, so like last year, same ordeal. I pretty much. Uh, so last winter, I was like, I can't get a snowmobile because I had to build the house, and so this winter, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, my uh, a good friend of mine who's a wolf trapper, very skilled wolf trapper, he was upgrading on a snowmobile, and so he sold me. He souped up his. Well, what I mean souped up. It's for, for like trapping and like hunting, like a,
0: I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, I won't say any names cause he's a secretive man, but, um, uh, he, uh, yeah, he got this, he got the snowmobile. It's air, you know, uh, fan cooled. And so you don't have to, you know, some of those snowmobiles, you have to rod them to, to cool them down. And this one, you don't have to, you can just trail ride, um, all day pretty much. Even if it's hard packed snow. And it has a nice big, uh, like gate in the back where you can fit a bunch of gear and stuff. So I mean, it's it's like set up for wolf hunting, really good for me. And
0: God, that's awesome!
1: So he sweet, yeah, he sold to me for dirt cheap, and so I was like, sweet. So now I have my little like mountain runner um, this this winter. Although I've only had two days to wolf hunt since since twenty twenty three, so. Dang, I, man. I know. It just, I, we've been so busy with uh, editing hunting videos and traveling. We did the Salt Lake Show and the Portland Oregon Show. And so I'm like, man, I only had two days to actually get out there and go after it. And hey, I got close, but it was like one of those bummer deals were just wrong place at the wrong time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, when... Um... We need to work out a time. I'd love to go with you, just because I, I feel like just uh, you know an, an afternoon or, or whatever with you would would uh, change my entire outlook. And I think that when it comes to wolf hunting, and I think that that's what is kind of a good way to segue into um, your wolf course mm-hmm. because you've got two things going: you've got the online course, yes. and then you've got uh, what was that? Western Wolf Summit or Western Wolf Academy? Yeah, so we
1: have the Western Wolf Academy. Uh, We had, I can't tell you how many people that have reached out and said, man, I really want to do an in-person camp. And so I want to be in person. I want to be able to ask questions. And so, you know, I have the online one. And oh, and I also want to bring this up too. So anybody who's currently taking the online course, um, you have the chance if you go, if you do the wolf camp, I take the price off the, the online course off the camp. And so you save some money. Nice. Yeah. And anyone who's doing the course and anyone who's doing the camp gets the wolf masterclass online for free. And so after this three day camp, you're going to have the online course to continue to, to learn and grow from, um, you know, although three days are, there's a lot to learn. I think there's, I mean, there's way more than three days worth of knowledge, on that all night masterclass, so you're going to get that and,
0: as well. And, w- and tell everybody kind of where it's at, when it's at, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so
1: so the so this camp, the the wolf, the wolf, uh, the Western Wolf Academy, is in Southern Idaho, in the Cascade, by Cascade, Idaho. There, um, we felt like that was a uh-huh. great central location for everybody to get to. On top of that, there, I mean, the wolf numbers are really good in there too. So um, we're kind of going to be doing a Class in Wolf Country, pretty much, and I mean, we're not planning on calling any wolves, but you just never know, <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't planning on calling that one wolf right outside of your pickup, no, that one. But day. you
1: never know. Yeah, we might <laughs> sit there right in the middle of us teaching you how to call wolves, and all of a sudden, a wolf pack might just slide up. So you just never know. But it's on a ranch, uh, a couple hundred acres, some cabins. Well, y'all be in cabins. There's food. You'll be fed well. Um, just show up. We're gonna have a great time and we're going to have it's going to be a combination of seminars, and all, uh, the goal is we want to have is we want to give you guys as much hands on experience as we can possible too so i we want to teach you how to use calls we're going to teach you about wolf behavior um I also want to teach you about setups and so we're going to use that two hundred acres and show you about setups um we're going to have a couple have you seen those uh air guns those new air guns yeah with those with c two cans c o two cans um
0: Uh, like you're, you're talking about like the airsoft kind of rifles or whatever.
1: Better. Really? Yeah. Like
0: I'm out of the loop on that. Oh, they're
1: sweet. So anyways, we're gonna have a couple of those on there. Just, I mean, that way you don't have to wear ear protections. And it's like, I mean, basically what it feels like, it feels like shooting a 22, but I mean, you're not dealing with any, it's, it's subsonic and no gunpowder. And, and so th- it's going to be really nice. We're going to teach you a lot about, um, not just, not just setups, but you know, the one thing I, I thought about in this camp, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here, but the one thing I thought about this camp is like, okay, what do people struggle with most with wolf hunting? And cause I get it a lot. People come up to me and they tell me their struggles that they face while they're wolf hunting. And, mm-hmm. and one of the struggles that I hear people face is some people are getting in the wolves and these are people that are actually taking the wolf hunting masterclass. So they took the wolf hunting masterclass and they're actually getting in the wolves. Like they've, it, they're, they're putting the knowledge to work. And the problem is, is they keep missing. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. Like, I'm like, what happened? Like
0: I missed it, They're missing. You mean when you say they're missing, they're missing the shot. Once they, once they fire the shot, they're, 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 they're missing shooting the over rifle. the
1: back. They're just, they don't really they. Nobody really has a way of practicing on quick trigger pulls and how to act in the moment. You know what I mean? Um, and there, there's yeah. a technique to that. Um, I think we hear it with archery. It's called trigger panic. It's also with rifle hunting too. Sugar panic is a real thing that you have to overcome. And we want to train you with that at the camp. Like, I will sit with somebody as long as I have to until they they break that barrier. Um, And so we're going to have targets. We're going to have close-range targets with those in the woods and stuff like that. We're going to have a fun little course there to run those, those air guns. And so um that's going to be fun. But like I said, the seminars... The other thing I really feel like we're bringing to the table here is you have me, who I've dealt with everything you need to know about heavy timber country, hunting wolves in state country where you can't see them that well. And then you have Justin and Katie Smalls. They hunt wide open country in southern Idaho, and they're very successful hunting wolves down there. And those wolves act a little bit differently. You know, they adapt to the area. It's the same wolf. But because the terrain's different, they act a little different, and you know, just talking to them, I realized, man, there's a lot that that I've learned from them, and they've learned from me, and we want to bring all that knowledge to the table at that camp and teach. God, that's
0: children. that sounds like a freaking blast! Mm-hmm. I, I mean, think about it. Okay, yeah, yeah, y- you've got, you've got. Some interest in wolf hunting. This thing is July sixth through the 9th, summer of twenty twenty three. You get a stay in a cabin on a two hundred and fourteen acre private ranch and learn from the best wolf hunters in the state of Idaho. Like like, there's great wolf trappers, but you guys, you and Justin and Kate Small, mm-hmm. I, I swear, you guys are like the best wolf hunters, uh, hands down. Yeah, in the state of Idaho. Um, and and, and I mean, there, there's like. Because this course is not about trapping at all, right? This is all just wolf hunting. It's basically
1: pretty much, I mean, we'll show a tiny, tiny bit of trapping, but really this is, you're here to wolf hunt. Like we're here to train you about yeah. wolf hunting. And let's look at, let's look a little bit with statistics. Um, I don't have them on the top of my head, but I know for a fact, just talking to the Justin Webb, who's, you know, the pretty much, I don't even know what title he is. He's pretty much the head of the foundation for wildlife management. He's
0: a, uh. Executive Director. Yes,
1: that's a great, great title. And well, he was telling me that the the average wolf hunter his uh, his odds of success are under zero percent, under zero percent. So it's like point. It's not like one percent. It's like point two something. Yeah,
0: it's less than one percent. It's like point zero two three four or some crazy number. Yeah. Versus trapping is like closer to thirty mm-hmm. percent. And so the 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 success rate is wildly there there's a lot of disparity between the success rates and that's why there's there's this draw to trapping but trapping the 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 one thing about trapping that I will say as much as I support it 110% you have to be set up with your life in order to do it successfully because you have to run a trap line you have to understand how to set these traps you have to understand the where's the hows the who's the whys all that kind of stuff. And then you have to have the time to be able to hit this trap line like every other day. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately like guys like me, I have a day job. I can't do that. Otherwise I, I would totally be a wolf. And
1: trapper. I'm in the same boat as you but too I, I, I can't do that either. So that's why I'm not a wolf. Trapper. Yeah.
0: I just, I just can't, I, I, I don't have, I don't have the ability to spend that much time where it takes a specific person, and that's where like f four w m is great because you know they're they're able to um help people make that a lifestyle in a sense of reimbursing them for some of the costs of that, but there's a lot of costs involved in hunting as well, but it's so nuanced, and that's where like i'm I'm guilty tom i because i I moved out onto the the homestead here, I knew I wasn't going to have a ton of time for for hunting last year twenty twenty two you know what's funny about 2022? It was... I, I spent some of the... Uh, probably one of the least amount of actual days in the field for all seasons mm-hmm. in 2022. It actually ended up being one of my best seasons. um, With the exception of my damn truck burning to the ground right when I was going up to recover my... Ouch! Own. But... Uh, it it, uh, it it ended up being one of my best seasons, but I, I didn't have time. So I was going to buy your wolf course last winter, <laughs> but I knew that I I was going to be gone, and so I haven't yet. And uh, the and and I I want to get back to something you said earlier, which is a lot of people are able to find wolves, locate wolves, get wolves talking. But closing the deal is where I struggle. Mm -hmm. Like I can always, I know where wolves are at. I I can always locate them and I can always get them talking. But this is where, and I think I told you this at the, at the IDFG meeting the other night is where I am normally a very aggressive hunter. Mm -hmm. This is where I become unaggressive because I don't know what the next step is. Like if I get an elk to bugle, I know what the next step is. I, I, if I get a turkey to gobble, I know what the next step is. But for me, when I get a wolf to howl, I don't really know what the next step is. And so that's where this course, like Western Wolf Academy and your online course, would be would be huge for me because I have the passion and want and desire to take care of some wolves and hunt them. And not just because I think I'm doing predator management. It's because I, I think it's got to be one of the most challenging hunts out there. And I want to be successful at that because I, I like the challenge of mm-hmm. it. Um, but I, I'm just, I, I what I worry about Tom is like, I would do more educating of wolves than I would do uh, in population control. Yes. Yeah. And do you want to talk about that for a second?
1: Yeah. Just like the education part of side, like um, yeah, I can yeah, yeah, talk about that. Cause, yeah. Because uh, here's the thing. I have a lot of people come up to me and they, there's a, I, I'm, I'm not trying to bash people, by the way. I, 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 everybody who wants to hunt wolves, I, sub, I, I think you're awesome and I support you hundred percent, but there's so many people that I kid you not have come up to me and they try to tell me how to wolf hunt and they're like, Oh, all you need to do is this or all you need to do is that I'm going to run my electronic call all these mountains. I'm. Oh
0: uh, no, the, the whole simplified, here's how you do it. Yeah. I'm just people. going to sit and in a I tree
1: know. stand at a kill. I'm going to drop a deer in the woods and sit in trees. I mean, there's, there's so much stuff. That's like, it, it's just like mind blowing to me. I'm like, you guys don't even really realize what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but I know, man, but, I mean, I'm, you said it. And, and Justin Webb, actually, he's looked up the numbers. He's, he told me that I'm like the, one of the top five successful wolf hunters in Idaho. And, and I was like, well, wow, that's,
0: Dude, you're probably the top number I'm probably the, one. Probably. Like, I don't, they're, they're, okay, I don't I, know anybody who has killed as many there's wolves There's one as you guy
1: have. tied with me. There's one one guy tied with me. He just, he just, uh, t- I just talked to him the other day. And so now I have to, oh, now really? I have to up up my game so that I can be back. Number one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like your attitude, man. That's I awesome. <laughs> I
1: must. Yeah. I need to, I need to gain the throne back, um, no, but no, it's, it, that's great. It, I mean, I the thing is, it's actually, to me, they're the most intelligent animal out there. But it's the same thing like elk hunting or deer hunting. That because I know what I'm doing, it's not as hard as you think it is. Like, my success rate is very high. But it's because I know how to do it. And I spent enough time around wolves, even before wolf season ever existed, just being around wolves while elk hunting. And the first wolf season ever opened in Idaho was 2011. I've learned mm-hmm. a lot about wolf behavior, about the sounds when a wolf, you know, a wolf howls. I know what they're talking. I know what he's saying to me. And a lot of times I know what he's saying to the pack. And I'm not trying to be too cocky with it, but it's, it's pretty fascinating. And, but that also as a hunter Helps you know what your next move is. So if if a wolf is howling and it's a warning howl, you know that you have to make a certain move based on that howl, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the wolves are howling to shut up the pack. Oh, I've had it. Here's a here's a prime example. Um and I've also mentioned this with Dirk on his podcast too. And so um there's certain times when you have younger wolves in the pack that are not as smart and they're howling back at you. Well, all of a sudden you're going to start hearing some yipping, almost like something's getting bit. What that is, is the alpha male yep. shutting up the pups. When I mean pups, I'm talking about adolescents. They're, they're, they're I mean, they're probably year old wolves, but they're 70 pound wolves. They can take down an elk, but they're being shut up by the alpha yeah. male. He's shutting them up. And T the point where he even has to bite them to shut them up. And
0: so I I'm so glad you said that, dude. Because I did hear you talking about that. Which, by the way, guys, that the the podcast he's talking about is uh, cutting the distance, and it was one where Dirk was the host instead of because usually Jason Phelps is a host on that one, uh, and Jason I, I think he was out getting the um, refurbishing one of the Pink Phelps calls or something, but. Uh, Dirk, Dirk had to sit in for him, and th- this is the episode he's talking about. And so g- go check that one out because there's a ton of good information. But what you're talking about, Tom, is exactly, like, to a T, what happened to me, in. Uh, and I want to say it was 2014. I was cow calling, and I got a couple of wolves to – and it's not like they were howling. They were making this weird – you'd probably recognize what mm-hmm. it was, but it's like they were going – Oh, 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 oh. kind of to each other, these two different wolves. And they start making all this crazy ruckus, and they're getting closer. And then it was like this weird, growly, yippy uh, sound that kind of all of a sudden popped from behind the brush, and and a, one of the wolves kind of yelped. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, they're gone. I mean, gone from the face of the planet, like, o- almost like aliens abducted yeah. them never saw or heard from them again. And so what, what you're saying is in that case, the two young wolves, they were falling for my cow call, but I i, I was elk hunting. I w- had no intention of going after mm-hmm. wolves, but I was all excited about it because I, I was ready for them. Um, it, they were all excited about coming after a cow. And then the wise older wolf let them know, hey, no, that's not a wolf. We're getting out yeah. of here. And- and here's what and I assume.
1: Doing. And I assume so. And I wasn't necessarily there in your place, but it makes a lot of sense. I, I'd say like, yes, like, cause I've had that happen to me
0: before. Um, well, when you, when you explained it on Dirk's episode there, um, that's exactly what I thought of because I'm, I'm like, man, that is exactly what um, happened to me. And it just kind of speaks to the credibility of, 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 where you're, where you're coming yeah. from with this. It's so yeah,
1: awesome. it's kind of an aha, like an aha moment in some way, shape or form there. Yeah. Exactly exactly mm-hmm. yeah and so it's it's pretty crazy the how um because there's not many animals that have such a complex um language like a wolf pack does and you know and what how there's very few species animals out there that actually hunt in a pack as well and yeah. actually communicate so like you're saying like in a hunt wolves are consistently communicating with each other in a hunt um I've told this story a couple times. I mean, there's a lot, we have a lot of stories, but um, but the one story was my brother got ambushed by a wolf pack where one wolf like tried to charge him and his friends, and when they chased that wolf off, the pack right behind him scattered. And it was like what that wolf was trying to do is they thought that Travis was a cow elk when they were cow calling. So he kind of ran at him. And when they didn't run, he kind of gave a He turned his head like, what's going on? You know what I mean? And when that Mm -hmm. one ended up running off and they found out what's up, the rest of the pack behind them scattered. And that just showed you that, man, they were getting ready to like, they thought what was happening there is that one wolf was trying to run that cow elk into the pack and they were all set (laughs) up for it. And it's pretty crazy how they hunt like that. It, It
0: is, but it's so crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah.
1: But I was Wolves.
0: Was oh, that in Idaho or Alaska? That was,
1: that was an Idaho experience, and that was that was before. Wow. Let's see. No, it, I think it was Wolves. We'll I don't. I'm sorry. I don't remember the full story. That that's the story. You'll have to ask Travis, but because I was not there on that one. Um, but yeah, it was crazy experience. But I can't tell you how many times. We've, uh, we've have I mean, the stories are just endless of hunting wolves, but I mean, even this fall, I can't, I've yeah. had a lot of action this fall. Um, I was having wolves howling all the way from the beginning of August and man, they, it was a tougher pack because they're really wised up. I've hunted them before. I killed wolves out of this pack before. Um, but I'm glad I finally capitalized on the alpha, but it took me, um, I, I, I,
0: it was a great wolf.
1: Yeah, it was a beautiful white wolf. And the thing is, I had to hunt that pack a little bit differently, where in the month of April, I, like, knew where they were. I found their little spot they were hanging out in the middle of the day. And I just gave them a little bit of hunting pressure. They bounced, and i back out, just like what you said. So, so, some like, I know some really aggressive elk hunters that are really successful with elk, but they're horrible with wolf. And, mm-hmm. it's, and the reason why that is... Is they're too aggressive. Like they, you know, they just go in there and charge. And if you chase the wolf pack out, then they won't come back. So you have to be really careful. So I'd bump them, but not enough to scare them off. And then I'd leave for a couple days, and I'd come back in that area, Hmm. that kind of their bedding area, and they'd be there again. And I pretty much had to do that once a week, just until I finally, the big alpha messed up, and. But the thing is, I had to work on that pack just a little bit differently because at that point, my calls were hardly even working anymore. They knew every trick of the book. I've already thrown everything in the book at them in the past three years. So it's the same pack I've worked on. Wow. And, you know, thankfully, the the alpha male messed up and he got a 180 grain acubon in his chest. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I yeah. love it, man. Hey, how how are we on time? Are you okay yeah. for a minute, or do you need no, to jump I'm off? Good.
1: Are you? How are okay. you on time?
0: No, no, I'm great, man. I, I because I, you've said a few things that, uh, you know, when we're when we're speaking on the subject of like the learning curve of wolves, I, I, I want to kind of transition for a minute and talk about Colorado, yeah. um, because why i wanted to talk to you about this tom and and just for everybody listening so tom um is is native north idahoan he was here prior to the wolves he watched the wolf reintroduction into the state of idaho he saw the effects of what wolves do to the land uh the ecology of the land the biology of the land everything The, the just the landscape in general and how wolves impacted everything from Uh, ungulate species to other wildlife on, um, you know, within this North Idaho mountains. And he's, so he's got a very interesting perspective and, and a very uh, in I guess, in tune to what the practical expectations people in Colorado should expect as you guys move into this wolf reintroduction, which is silly to call reintroduction right now, because you guys already have wolves there, there in Colorado. (laughs) but the question i would have for for tom because what what bothers me tom is is if you read like the colorado draft management plan for wolves um they have like these tenants these two core tenants you know they they say oh well there's going to be positive impacts where they occur uh you know they're they're not limited to but some of them are you know providing complementary offtake of ungulates in management units where they're overpopulated yeah. I don't, I don't mean to laugh, but they make that sound like it's such this good uh, wildlife management thing. Oh, you know, where they're overpopulated, they're going to just knock them down by a few notches. No, Colorado, it's going to be a lot more impactful In, than
1: that. The thing that, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, you want me to, you ready for me? You ready for a rant? I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I could actually. Let's just do that, man. I, I could tell you're chomping at the bit just off of that one. Oh my line. Gosh. Take well, it away, brother. I because just, you you've got the you've got the oh, experience. It, to me, it's just so
1: annoying. Well, we've had to deal with you know, and it's not even it's not the wildlife biologists that are doing this. It's these wolf activists and the thing is, and these exactly. environmentalist groups. And I hardly consider them environmentalist groups because they they actually are hurting the environment. Um, but they here's Absolutely. the issue. And it's it's the sickest political stunt that I've ever seen. They'll even and you and and you can quote me on this. You guys are going to look back on this and you're going to be like, "Holy crap, Tom's right." They're already going to come up with articles about how good wolves have helped the Colorado ecosystem. They are how much you want to bet that they already have these articles written before the introduction happens. They were so excited to share about Yellowstone and how. Wolves Changed the River, literally the first year that Wolves were introduced there. They were already...
0: Before it was even realistic to give any credit to the Wolves. Yeah, it was not even there
1: yet. They they already came up with the articles. And and it's like one year is hardly anything to go by. You have to go by a decade. It's a long-term thing. And that's what's tough is that they will focus they're going to do everything in their power to only focus on the good. And that's just, that's just like anywhere, right? Like you can go on the internet and, and you can find anything that supports your argument. It doesn't matter what side you're on with anything. You're going to find that. But the most important thing that I feel like as hunters, what we can do when they introduce wolves is when you're in the back country and you're seeing what's happening is to record this. Because what happened to us last time we didn't have the iPhone. We didn't have the easy access to video cameras and all that. These wolf activists did. They had. They were the tech people. They were the people that were out there. The The people in the Discovery Channel, that, are, or they're hired by the Discovery Channel. These are the people that are hired out to be in the woods. And they always fluff everything up. You know what I mean? They don't show the reality about nature. Mm-hmm. They won't show a wolf taking pictures. 45 minutes to an hour tearing an elk apart before it finally dies. They won't show that. They won't actually, sh- they just like, oh, look how quick that elk died. You know, they show one scenario.
0: Yeah. Or they, they, they show, so I, I don't yeah. mean to cut you off there, but you're, you're so right, man. And they show, so like in the, in one of the tenants in the, in the Colorado Wolf Plan, selective removal of individual diseased animals yeah. from herds. <sighs> I call bullshit on that. I'm sorry. But a perfectly healthy six-point bull elk is not an individual diseased animal that these wolves are taking down. The wolves are just taking them down because yeah, they found them. Yeah, it's,
1: it's not that. I mean, and, I mean, the only reason why their logic works is if an animal—a herd is running and one leg's behind. But usually what leg's behind first is a calf. And so that's typically mm-hmm. where the stick in the week comes about. That I think then the other— uh, Yeah, I know. It's it's this uh, idea that a wolf can like read an animal and think that's a sick animal. Like if that sick animal is in the middle of the herd running as fast as it can, the wolves are not going to ignore the elk behind, you know, the elk lagging behind in the herd and to go after the sick one. They don't have that magical um, radioactive wave that comes out of their brain to see that they have no clue. They're not that intuitive. They're just, they're an opportunist animal. And most guys like me that are back there and see what's going on, you'll see it. They're an opportunist animal. When you see an elk get pushed in an avalanche chute or where, you know, like maybe like this time of the year, you have these avalanche chutes that consistently uh, get snow piled up and it gets deep, right? So if an elk's trying to go through an avalanche chute and that avalanche chute's been, you know. There's been multiple avalanches in that chute all winter long, and it's built up 10, 15 feet of snow. As soon as he hits that, um, he can't run through it, and he's done, and the wolves got him. Yeah. and They do that yeah. with dull sheep in Alaska. They do that with all species of animals. It doesn't matter how sicker they are, how healthy they are. The unfortunate truth is, especially with our mountain animals, they're, they're, with bad winters, they're stuck in these little pockets in the mountains where – Honestly, they have nowhere to go. They find a little brush patch like a moose, for example, and they're going to winter on, you know, some of these bull moose we find sheds to. They'll they'll spend their whole winter on 20, 30 acres of a brush field. And they'll stay there all winter long in belly deep snow. When a wolf pack runs through Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're really light, they're big animal, but they're really light. and They have big pads that work like snowshoes. They float right on top of the snow. Well, they just run right on the top of the back of that moose. I mean, it's it's nothing. That moose is done. Um, I could when I'm out snowshoeing looking for sheds. People think shed hunting's bad on the animals. I mean, sometimes I'll be shed hunting and I'll see a moose take ten steps from me and he's winded because the snow's so deep, and and so I have to back out. I'm like, oh, I don't want to push that moose, but it's like if I mean honestly, yeah. I mean I could run down a moose this time of the year with snowshoes and cross you know what I mean like it's moose but I mean I don't want to do that of course
0: <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to yeah have a moose on me. <laughs> no I I, yeah. I kind of figured yeah, but, I kind of um, figured but I
1: could like some of these moose are like holy smokes like you would be a sitting duck if a wolf pack found you and I can't tell you how many times mm-hmm. myself as a hunter and a shed hunter that I've been walking in the snow and all of a sudden I find a bunch of carcasses my first experience of ever seeing damage that wolves have done was I probably saw close to 60 to 70 dead mule deer carcasses. And I was trying to figure out what the heck happened here. Jeez. It was an area where I would, in a wintering range, I'd see close to 300 mule deer. And, you know, we always had, you know, sometimes you have winter kills where the snows are just too bad and it kills mealies. But this was so unusual because I'm like, the winter wasn't that bad. So I don't know why there was all these dead carcasses. And they were, and it was almost like they were drugged. Like they weren't actually, it wasn't like there was like a dead carcass here, dead carcass there. They're actually drugged to a spot. Like, and I always, I thought that was such a weirdest thing. But over time I realized, oh, that was a wolf pack moved in there and just slaughtered them. And that was back. I'd like to say that was back in 2007 or 2008 when that happened. I saw that. But that was before we had iPhones. That was before Stuck and Rut got into video in our hunts either. So I never carried a video camera in the woods. I never got to document that. I never
0: got. It was just stuff that you you experienced and weren't able to share, and didn't have the platform to share it on. And but but like you said, the 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 wolf activists who are as we speak descending mm-hmm. on Colorado uh, and setting up shop, um, they're going to be there to document all the all the positive things. You, you know the the glory moments of, of wolves on the landscape. Um, and and it's going to be propagated to the people in Colorado. And, and like you, you know, like you said, what, what concerns me, Tom, like Colorado, they have a very strong elk population. And I, I believe they are the number one in elk numbers, uh, for the United States, um, lower 48, at least, uh, they have great mule deer hunting. Um, these are things that, Wolf activists don't understand why there is value in, and I I don't know if I'm saying this right, but there is value in in a wild game species that people are passionate to hunt for. That value is greater than the emotional attachment somebody has to a wild animal that they never see. And, and, and so I, I guess that's why I get so bent out of shape is, is it's so lopsided because it's not going to be like, I already know, I already see the writing on the wall. It's not going to be like, okay, we're going to release some wolves into Colorado and then we're going to have a hunting season for them and a trapping season for them yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Colorado is a very different political dynamic yeah. than Idaho. It, yeah. And, and they,
1: Oh, I was go saying ahead, it's a ahead. lot like Washington and Oregon. Look, Washington and Oregon already have yeah, yeah. the wolf numbers ab- above objective. They should be hunted right now, and they're not. Oregon, it, or sorry. um Absolutely. Colorado is actually next level worse. And so if Washington and Oregon can't get a hunting season, I don't see Colorado ever getting a hunting season. It's one thing if there was actually a light at the end of the tunnel, like, look, if the wolves hit this number, we're going to delist them and we're going to have proper management. That's not what they're going to do, and they're going—they may say they're going to do it, but they're going to take back their word like they always do. And we're going to have to fight for it. The unfortunate truth is, you have what Boulder in Denver, Colorado, that makes all the decisions, and those are the city people.
0: Yeah, they, and they make- it's
1: just unfortunate. But you, um, to but get to to get back on what to expect. This is in order what you're going to see what happens. And these are the same. And I'm telling you, this is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to see this and the environs are going to say this about that. You're going to see this and the environs, it's It's a stinking. I'm telling you what I've seen this game. I've seen it so many times. So the first thing you're going to see is yeah. you will see immediate adaption. So as soon as the wolves move into a landscape, you're going to see the animals act differently. Like that's one thing you're going to first notice. And the environments are immediately going to come out with an article and say, that's good. They're they're adapted. See, they're adapted to the wolf.
0: Look how great yeah. the wolves are. And then when the wolves actually
1: go into an a drainage and they actually extinct an entire drainage, the environmentalists will say, oh, like there was never elk in there. You know what I mean? They're, they do that. They play this weird little game like we forget. And so. I'm listening. Yes. Yeah.
0: So hold on, let's because I want to, I want to touch on the point that you just made. Um, Whoops. I'm having issues with my uh, software here Uh, because I want you to keep going with, with, with how you're breaking this down. So don't, don't, uh, don't lose your train of thought with this, but people might, people might not understand why what you're saying is bad. So when, when you, when you're talking about activists that are that are going to be, you know, throwing out this propaganda and propagating all the all the people in Colorado about how great the wolves are, because look, this river this river bank uh, just regrew some grass that hasn't been there in you know two generations because the elk have been taking <clears throat> it over or whatever. A, that's BS. It's 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 total BS. Is there a specific spot on a river where elk tend to come down just because of the nature of the landscape and, and water there so the grass is worn out? Absolutely. But is that consistent along every linear mile of that river? Hell no. So the problem with that and the negative impact to hunters and outdoorsmen and sportsmen and conservationists is when they put that information out there. It's it's Aunt Betty and and uh, somebody that just moved to Colorado from some big city back east or or whatever that don't understand the value of wildlife management through hunting and conservation through hunting that are going to fall victim to that information and think that wolves uh, unchecked left wolves left unchecked on the landscape are a great thing and they're doing all these great things they're saving the environment in fact global warming doesn't even exist anymore because wolves are on the landscape you know that's the kind of stuff that they pro promote and and the and the the repercussion to us as outdoorsmen is it never gets addressed because colorado i believe is still within the state that um wolf hunting is is back on the or i'm sorry wolves are back on the esa anyway uh and and so hunting them is not even an option unless you're in idaho wyoming and Mm -hmm. montana i believe that's I believe that to be true. I'm pretty sure Colorado's within that ESA listing right now. So hopefully people understand it's going to make it that much harder when all these people that know nothing about wildlife management have been propagated to the point where they think that unchecked wolves are great to try to get them delisted. So Colorados can go, Colorado can go out and, and, and allow hunters mm-hmm. to manage these animals. So that let, let's bookmark that. Now, uh, did I throw you way off? No, I think, to where you're going with yeah, that I think you are good. I think we're good.
1: I, yeah, and I just think,
0: okay,
1: you know what's going to happen is you're going to also, like I said, you're going to see animals adapt, and, um, you know, these elk are going to get pulled into some places. And I even heard hunters. This was back in the day when we first had wolf issues. We had hunters that are kind of like on the. They were like borderline love wolves, and it was mostly non-residents because they'd never yeah. actually had to live with them. But they're like, oh no, just the elk are in different places. That's all. For a period of time. So what happens is the wolves obviously do go for the easier elk, right? And so the ones that are more obvious and easier to kill. Yep. They're the ones that go first. If you have a good moose like if these wolves are actually getting placed in an area with moose, I know there's some pockets, some good moose pockets in in um Colorado. For might as well wish those moose goodbye. They're the first to go. <laughs> they're the first to go. Absolutely. The moose are
0: I, I, I second that. I don't even put in for moose tags for the panhandle of Idaho anymore because I'm so worried about I the they should here. shut down the I, 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 they I shut refuse. Down
1: the they honestly do. I, uh, and I've they even do. brought it. They're going to re- they reduce the tags, bad. which is good. But I'm like, we shouldn't even have a season at this point. Um, but that's what you're going to see. The easiest yep, animals agree. will go first. And mostly where the wolves really put on the most impact is the back country where you have to put in some miles. So, so all you guys that are hardcore – and get in the back country and you know, that that takes five to 10 miles to hike back there that takes horses and mules, Those are the, those are the areas that will first disappear on you. Those are the areas that the wolves will invade yep. and the wildlife will just be decimated. It's unfortunate, but that's, what's going to happen. And like I said, you're going to find these, if you're in areas with lots of like high Rocky areas, you're going to see the elk actually spend a little more time where you'd expect to see mountain goats. They spend a lot more time in the cliffs and the rocks and, and, and they'll have their route. Some of the older bulls will find those areas too, and that'll keep them alive for a bit. But you know, the unfortunate truth is as soon as the, that the wolves will first go for the easier stuff. Right. And then after that's gone, then they go for what's left in those rocky cliff areas. That's the next step. It's, and so it, and then after that's taken over, then you, it's just, yeah, it's sickening. But you're, it's going to act like a plague. You're going to see it. And um, they're going to reproduce quickly. But I'd say you're not going to really, 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 really notice a huge impact, especially when they introduce them, until I'd say it's going to take about a five to six year period of time before you really start to see a lot of empty country. You know what I mean? Um, the Wolves, are yeah. their the original... Like when they were first introduced here, their uh, territory was really small because of the amount of game. And so one drainage can hold a wolf pack for a long period of time as long as they have a lot of game there. But as soon as that area is completely decimated and there's not a living critter there left, they move on to the next one. And they'll continue using that one that they completely annihilated, but they'll also use the new one too. It's just what happens is their territory gets more and more spread out over time and that's what we saw so now our wolf territories i mean our wolves are using five to six drainages now as back in the day when we had a lot of game the wolves only had one drainage One, there was literally a wolf pack per drainage for a period of time and and mm-hmm. now what we're witnessing in this scenario of our lives is now that there's so little game left that in a lot of cases the wolves are leaving too. And, and so now we're back to this bitter environmentalist thing where the environmentalists think we're killing too many wolves. And like, so if they go into areas and they're not seeing wolves, they kind of think, Oh, they're killing all the wolves. It's like, no, it's the wolves that want to come back. They actually stopped using an area. If they wipe it out completely, they left. They left left. And you'll.
0: Yeah. They're they're in Oregon and Washington at this point. And, and that's that's another that's another something that chaps my ass Tom is is Colorado by voting for this they made that decision for three other states around them like Utah because especially right here in the in in chapter three of the the wolf um, what do you call this restoration the Colorado wolf restoration and management plan it's a draft plan okay scroll down to chapter three folks and when you when you're in that it's going to say here here's a couple of things that I want to hit on with this and I want to get your take on it Tom it is anticipated that wolf reintroduction efforts will require the transfer of about 30 to 50 wolves total over a 3 to 5 year time frame now Tom going through this in Idaho do you believe that number to be only 30 to 50 in a 5 year time period the, and here's okay here's
1: the other thing I've noticed what happened is they're going to And they're going to say there's not as many wolves as there are. And we're still fighting that to this day. We knew, like, at one point, I knew of seven different wolf packs. This was, like I said, this was back when I, in my later teens, I knew of seven different wolf packs. And these activist groups would come up to us and say, there's only two living wolf packs in your area. And they're, they're, yeah. (laughs) I remember those days. And we all called it. It's like, we, we see them. I mean, they're so... Like it's not even the point that we're seeing their tracks, we're seeing them because they, they're not being hunted, so they're not afraid of people as much. And so we're actually consistently seeing them and knowing these wolf packs are there. And and we knew yeah, it was seven or even more than that. You know what I mean? And and the here's here's the thing in Washington's yep. playing this game right now. We all know that Wash like Washington is bordered by some of the highest wolf infested areas of Idaho. But Washington is only claiming that they have 140 wolves. Why do you think that is? It's because they know if they hit a certain number of wolves in their state, that they have to have a hunting season because that's what they promised. They have to delist them. And so they're keeping that. So they keep those. Yeah, they keep those numbers down. Go ahead. In fact, there was a farmer that was having wolf issues, and the government officials had to go in there and kill wolves. They killed 50 wolves out of that. Out of that area, that farmers was having issues. So you're telling me that that the wildlife officials killed a third of the population? That right. doesn't make sense. That doesn't yeah, make sense.
0: It, it's it's absolute, it's absolute yeah. lunacy to to think that that Washington only has 140 wolves. I mean, it, it's that is it's. I'm trying to. <clears throat> I got so excited I like swallowed uh my <laughs> yeah. my water wrong. <laughs> <So bare. clears throat> like uh you know yeah. like when you get water in the lungs A- anyways uh yeah yeah it's absolute lunacy so so the state of washington you know they they've got they've got these wolves it's because wolves or i'm sorry the uh the landscape is in Washington is excellent <laughs> wolf habitat um that whole thing, uh, swollen the water wrong there just totally threw me off the point. Cause you, you just, uh, I wanted to tie that with something. It was brilliant, Tom. And I forgot, um, the, the other part within this, uh, preliminary release locations are constrained by several geographic criteria. This is Colorado. Again, statute requires that wolves be released west of the continental divide. And, and so, uh, again, west of the continental divide, when you're, when you're looking at that from a regional or geographic, um, thing again uh our our we have a lot of listeners in utah uh because i i was born mm-hmm. and raised in utah and uh i i am just telling you guys my friends in utah to buckle up because this is going to greatly affect you the same way that the wolves have affected our friends and neighbors here in washington and and the, those those numbers they lie about the numbers because they don't, the the wolf activists, you know, these backroom deals are made or whatever. I I don't know what takes place there uh, to, to make sure that um, the goal with the wolf activists is to not have hunting and trapping seasons and availability. And so what happens is now, as, as Tom was mentioning in the state of Washington, you you know, the, the wildlife agency has to go in and, and, uh, and call these wolves. Well, what do you think that does in terms of, Who's paying for that? You, Washington, your your taxpayer dollars are paying for that. It, versus if it were switched and we didn't have such influence by these wolf activists, the state would be generating revenue on wolf tags and trapping licenses. And, and so now it's like California, where instead of the state generating revenue for mountain lion hunting the state taxpayer is fund- footing the bill to control these predators because they are out of, they're well, just absolutely think about, out of control. It well, is just absolutely think about, so I told you about
1: that farmer and it was, a, it was like, I think it was a year ago or something, but yeah, they said it was like 50 wolves or something, but you take that number and they, they, they say on Our, average, yeah, I, I think it, it for a government, meant, sorry for a government official to go in there and to actually take out a wolf per wolf. It's like nine grand. I think I think it's around nine grand, isn't it? I think it is. Um, so 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 add the numbers I, there. So yeah. fifty times nine grand. I mean, I'll let you do the math. I'll let I'll let the let the audience do the math there,
0: <laughs> and, right? It's sure, Okay. Well, that's all taxpayer. L- like it's it's a massive can, amount of money. If you handed a wolf
1: tag to watch these people that are, love the hunt and are passionate about hunting, I mean, they'll pay for the tag. They'll pay ten bucks for the wolf tag and they'll go do it. You don't have to do it under taxpayer dollars. And here's the thing that I think these environmentalists are always worried about. And they still worry about it right now. Is that we're going no, you're all good. Excuse me. Um, is they think they're going that we're going to extinct the wolf. True or false? Do you do you think we're mm-hmm. going to extinct the wolf with our current management plan of Idaho? Oh, it's
0: it's, it's impossible. It, you can't you can't. We've already proven that we can't.
1: We've had a hunting season now for over a decade and the population started at 800 when we first had, well, this is all estimates, by the way, we really did not know how many there were, but they estimated there'd be 800 wolves in Idaho back then. And now with a 10 year hunting season, and we have one of the most relaxing, like our hunt, we have a long hunting season. We have a long trapping season. We have a lot of methods we can hunt wolves and the
0: very very liberal seasons on on uh, hunting and trapping here in yes. the state of Idaho, and it grew sure. still
1: to fifteen hundred wolves. And so, I mean, what does that tell you that that it doesn't honestly that even if if Washington go, went full bore, they're not going to get rid of all wolves. And I'm tired of environmentalists saying that 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 we're endangering them again, and and we're, that's not going to happen. Yeah. We don't
0: have Oh, we're going to we're going to reduce them down 90% by 90%. Yeah. You know, that was the headline, but the the 90% reduction, if that were even possible, is merely bringing it down to the objective yeah. number. That that is not literally wiping wolves out. That is still bringing it to the objective number yeah. based on the ESA. What what is what is your take on this, um Tom, because when you're looking at Again, this wolf reintroduction plan, um, it says we are not going to release wolves. Let's see. Colorado will – or the releases in Colorado will occur a minimum of 60 miles from the northern border of Wyoming, which is irrelevant. Wyoming already has wolves. 60 60 miles of the western border of Utah and 60 miles of the southern border of New Mexico. Can you speak to, in in your experience – what is sixty miles to a walk? That's a
1: day. That's a two-day walk. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Like they, they, the way they cited in this plan is like, oh, we're you know they're going to be sixty miles from the border. Uh, okay, if they release them on on a Monday, um, they're there by Wednesday. So and and at what rate do you think these wolves reproduce? And I'm just telling, I'm just saying this stuff for the for the sake so that I I just want people to be prepared for what they're up against so that they're uh, you know this isn't like a surprise in 5 years. But wolves reproduce at a rate of 30 to yeah, 40% Yeah, they, they a reproduce year. quite a
1: bit. and and you know there's there's things that people say about that like oh not all the pups live but I'm like man a good fair amount live, you know. I mean sure not all seven in the litter will live, but I mean you'll still have about five by the end of the year. And yeah. And it's yep. yeah, you're going to see an increase, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, here we where we live, um, you know, it's pretty competitive. Up here, I'll say that. Like we have a lot of hunters, we have a lot of trappers, and every wolf pack is being watched very closely by us. And, and you know, we lock them down pretty low, like this time of the year our unit, we have them knocked down pretty low right now. And I applaud, you know, I, I always pat ourselves on the back. I'm like, we're doing really well by the end of this summer, about time, August and September hits all those areas where we did really well. And we almost knocked down uh, what I'd consider as every wolf in the pack. You got a new pack again. You have one male, one female that moved in there. And you know, some people say, Oh, they only have four to five in the litter. But I've had buddies that have literally had, like, you know, on a female, when they cut open the belly, there was eight in the, eight in the belly, eight pups in the belly. So I'm, they're,
0: well, yeah, I personally know somebody who found a a wolf pup cub, uh, or I'm sorry, a Mm -hmm. wolf pup uh, den, and there were seven in there from the same mother. Sorry, I I, I, I kind of cut you off there. there. Sorry, buddy. You can have
1: a lot of, um, I mean, some of these litters are pretty big. And it doesn't take much to yeah. gain a wolf pack, and what really does the damage is when you have three generations in a wolf pack, and then then you have then you are dealing with the fifteen to twenty wolves in a pack. Then it's literally a plague with four legs, and you know that here is the thing: the environmentalists are going to push in Colorado because Colorado has always had CWD. They're going to convince everybody that it's going to cure CWD. We've already seen that this is not true. In fact, CWD has made it to our neck of the woods up here. And and yep, and we, and and we we've we had wolves for now. I mean, actively strong, a high amount of wolves for now 15 years. And CWD still made its way up here. So that is a false statement that is made. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not going to get rid of CWD. They're still going to have it. And you said it yourself. Colorado, I mean, why do you think Colorado has the best elk and mule deer numbers in the lower 48? Gee, is it maybe because it's the only state that
0: doesn't have wolves? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, El- or grizzly bears. They yeah. don't have any wolves or grizzly bears. And, and but it- you know, it's... And he, admittedly, and, Colorado's and, great habitat for elk. And Utah's great great I,
1: I was but... driving through Utah, and you know, after Salt yep. Lake, and you're seeing these elk on their wintering ranges. And I was looking at that like, man, no way our elk would do that anymore. Like, I see where they'd winter and where they're so comfortable. I'm like, our elk are on edge. Well, then here's the other thing you're going to notice, too, yeah. is the quality of your of your bucks and your bulls are going to decline. And it's that's very fascinating to learn about this but did you know that the stress of a pregnant cow or or doe actually affects the antler growth of that fawn that she's going to give birth to and so i did know that
0: that but i'm i'm glad you said that that's that's like a really good uh Little piece of uh, I I love those little facts. I I love facts like that that we can yeah. When
1: she has that stress, like literally, they this is this is studies. We're going with science here, right? That's what we're talking about. Um, You have a fawn that's born; the mother had stress. She was chased around by wolves. That fawn of that mule deer may never grow past being a hundred and sixty class buck. Like he's he's his grow his antler growth is stunned. And that is a, that's a fact that actually, that is the thing. And on top of that, it also just being, you know, in the summer months when an animal's taking in all that nutrition and growing that velvet, when he's being pushed around by wolves all summer, the same, same ordeal, he's losing that antler growth that he needs. I mean, a lot of this, you could even just ask like an elk farm, like some of the elk, like people think when on an elk farm or an elk, like a high fence ranch, they think it's all genetics They'll tell you that it's not necessarily all genetics. It's yeah. the fact that they don't have pressure from predation, and so they're able to grow the big yep. racks. They're able to get the nutrition they need to grow the big antlers. And in a lot of that, it's a lot. Of the biggest effect of it is predation and you'll see that areas with high predation have worse antler growth with with species of animals. And we've seen yep. it. I mean, we don't grow yeah we, so I mean, we see it. Thing is um what we have seen here is we don't grow those big we used to my dad back in the day was a was a 30 inch mule deer type guy like if a buck isn't 30 inches wide he wouldn't shoot it mule deer wise we just don't have the genetics like mm-hmm. we did and, and it like i said
0: the, it, yeah, you just don't see them i mean hey you know you come into you come into Clark Fork and hit up that little Cenex mm-hmm. gas station down there. They've got that giant whitetail in there and the other big, giant uh, mule deer. You just don't no, see those don't. kind of bucks anymore. The stress has has done away with that. And so when you when you take that into account and the fact that if they release 50 wolves throughout the state of Colorado and not take into account the wolves that are already there, that's a thousand because each each wolf roughly consumes about mm-hmm. 20 elk per year. And and so that's mm-hmm. a thousand elk right there. And that's before yeah. they start reproducing. So this fantasy that in 5 years you're only going to have 50 wolves Colorado that is a fantasy. That that's a fantasy. I mean southern New Mexico are mm-hmm. going to have that many wolves. <laughs> you know, and that's not even taking into account the effect of uh you know the mexican gray wolf uh, how th- how that's going to impact that recovery effort having having these gray wolves coming uh, the, the northern rocky gray wolves coming down i don't think i said that right mm-hmm. the northern gray wolves uh coming coming down and and uh, going into the habitat areas of these mexican wolves that they are trying to recover in new mexico and arizona i mean that's going to have a huge impact i had dr valerius geist who studied this exact thing prior to his passing go through on, on one of my episodes, how that's going to destroy the the recovering yes. Mexican wolf in Arizona and, and New Mexico. And it's a really fascinating episode. Um, so it, it's th- this stuff, man, it just troubles me. Mm-hmm. I think we can go on all night, but um, let's kind of round it off and, and get these uh, friends of ours in Colorado. If they ever get to a point where they can start hunting the wolves that are coming. Um. I think the best way to do it is uh, Tom's wolf hunting course online and this and camp coming up. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, Tom, let me go back to this wolf howler from Phelps. Do you have a promo code? Oh, I wish I did. i still working the on that. They at haven't all, got or?
1: me one yet, so I'm kind of bummed about that. So I'm like, yeah, get, I was like, oh, okay. can you get me one. <laughs> he hasn't done it yet.
0: Well, I, I, I want, I want to, I want to help you pick on Dirk a little bit, but I know, um, they're, oh, yeah, they're yeah. having issues. No, he told me, he told like, me, it's uh, a, a, I
1: didn't mean to pick on him. Yeah. It's, it, they have something with the website. They're trying to get it worked out so they can do that.
0: I I wish we could, like I'd, I'd, I'd mm-hmm. be down with picking on Dirk, but th- there is issues on their end. I, I, I do, I do have one if folks want to jump on the Phelps website, uh, as they're listening to this. It's Huntsman Tan, will get you ten percent off because the Wolf Howler is uh fifty-four ninety nine. So, you know, save you almost six bucks there. But if if uh, Phelps comes out with the stuck in the ruck uh promo code, I want you to use that one because I, I you know, maybe by then it's it's already out there and just check on oh, yeah. uh, you know, check with Tom <laughs> here. Um so so keep that in mind, guys. I uh, jump on Phelps website and grab you a Wolf Howler if you want to go Hunting some wolves, um, and then let's let's mm-hmm. kind of wrap this up. Give us the elevator pitch one more time here on the Western Wolf Academy and how people can find that first. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, I mean, we'll like I said, it it's, it's
1: in Cascade, Idaho, and oh, it's going to be a fun hunt. I mean, it's going to be you know, don't bring your hatred toward wolves. Like we want to have a good time. <laughs> we don't want any riled up. We don't want any Man, drunk riled up people there. We want mm-hmm. to to be relaxed we're gonna have a good time we're gonna teach everything about wolf behavior and um it honestly though the one big thing i really want to make this like obviously i don't want to make this feel like you're sitting in a college class i want this to be a vacation for you we're in the summer weather's awesome you're in nature you're going to have time to relax and i talked a lot about what we're going to do there but also you're going to have a lot of time to relax and enjoy there's there's dreams there's um, there, you know, you're on this ranch with, there's some livestock and stuff there. Um, it's going to feel like you're on this little, like off-grid farm out there or like homestead. You're going to feel like you're on this homestead out there.
0: Yeah. Oh, like a homestead kind of feel. I, mm-hmm. I, I like your thinking, Tom. So with that in mind, in that spirit, are you saying that you're going to frown upon getting intoxicated and going tow, yeah, cow none, none of that. on the homestead? <laughs> none of
1: that none of that yeah none of that um, folks. But no, we're going to have a good time and we're going to eat good and like i said we're going to have we're going to learn everything you need to know about wolf hunting and you're going to leave with gear um we talked about the phelps game call actually you're going to be getting that everybody that shows up there is going to get um the the wolf howler you're going to get their predator calls and we're going to give howler. you kind of like a wolf calling kit on on the way or just like just a kit in general for wolves and um things that you need while you're wolf hunting um you're gonna it's gonna be a great time and you're gonna be around some good people and we have some other special guests I actually don't want to spoil the surprise or I'm not gonna even tell you who they are but we're gonna have some also some other special guests that are gonna be at the camp too um so it's yeah you guys are gonna love it um I'll is there if I if I share the price on this podcast yeah yes and no so absolutely really man yeah absolutely it, So it's 1800 bucks for the whole camp that's really cheap when you think of it 1800 bucks for three days in the cabins all cooked meals and just learning everything you need to know about wolf hunting and everything if you're hunting you learn, idaho yeah. montana that actually counts as your reimbursement so if you're a foundation for with the foundation for wildlife Management. Let's say you harvest a wolf in an area that they'll reimburse you two thousand dollars, you get reimbursed for that. So you'll actually get reimbursed.
0: Well, and isn't isn't F four WM their their operational act or they're active in Montana. They're definitely and active Wyoming in Montana. Well, I think
1: they're working on getting active in Wyoming. I I think
0: yeah. I think I think you're right, Tom. I think I think they're still working on the on the Wyoming side, but definitely. So if you're listening in Montana, F4WM, this this will cover mm-hmm. that. That's this is an experience. And they're also working on point. the
1: northeast corner of Washington, which is actually looking pretty positive so far. Um, and so that would be really good. That nice. would that would be a game changer for us because we're we're tired of cleaning up Washington wolves. <laughs> we get we keep on getting these. Yeah. <laughs> that like my tra- my buddies that are trappers and stuff are killing, and I'm killing, and they're just like, "Oh, it's got a Washington fishing game collar on." <laughs> just, <that's,
0: laughs> Do you guys like put that in a brown envelope so and send back to the fishing bro- Fish game? The one that my brother Fish killed had back. a
1: Washington fishing game, and yeah, they pretty much the Idaho fishing game took it, and then they returned it back to the Washington fishing game. That's how that works. Yeah, because because
0: because oh, gotcha. Idaho fish did gotcha, gotcha, to gotcha. check in okay. the
1: tooth um, of the wolf, anyways. Um, when when you harvest the wolf, that's the process. But yeah, no, it's going to yeah. be a great time, and I'm excited to see you guys there. It's it's going to be good, and that's I
0: I I I can't say enough good things about it, Tom. I I think I think that this is a fantastic idea. Um, I, I I think the price point is right where it needs to be um, that is going to because think about it if if you're somebody listening to this and you you can go to this course you are not going to want to waste that eighteen hundred dollars and so you are going to go out and you're going to work harder and push harder to become successful as a wolf hunter after the course and and so because that that money could a be reimbursed and b um like if you're anything like me i wouldn't want to I, I wouldn't want to spend that kind of money on a course and then ha- you'd have to do the walk mm-hmm. of shame in front of my wife and never get a wolf so you'd have to <laughs> you'd have to perform right but actually the the price point is right i think where it needs to be man i mean if i take my my wife you know somewhere mm-hmm. we we want to rent a cabin or 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 stay somewhere that's got like you know you're basically making this out that it's um Mm-hmm. What do they call that? All inclusive. Yeah. Like it's all inclusive, right? It is, it is uh, really that's cheap. That's cheap. I mean, uh, cheap. I mean so, it just depends you know, on
1: what city you're in. But um, I mean, i I just been traveling around lately, and some of these hotels are like 400, 500 bucks a night, and all you get is a little continental breakfast. And, and they have nothing else to offer. It's like, yeah, dude. I mean, so, I mean, in this time, unfortunately, inflation's gone up. But man, when you actually really look at it, I, when I look at it, I'm like, this is as cheap as it gets. Like, this is a very affordable camp and you're going to, you're going to learn a lot from it. And yeah, hopefully we get repeats. That would be fun. Cause we want to do this the following year after. But the thing is, I don't feel like, you know, you get those people who are like, Oh, I'll do it next year and stuff. But it's like, why wait? I mean, we're only going to be young for so long. And yeah, you know, like I, myself, I'm a type of person that likes to live. And enjoy life. And I feel like you know, don't wait, don't wait to be a successful hunter. Don't wait till maybe next year. Oh, maybe the year after. Do it now. Come, come and join us at camp this year. We'll, we'll love to have you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more.
0: And oh, I, I wish I could be there, man. I I, I so okay, wish I could you, be there. You, um, you locate a wolf that's pack. Actually, and I'll yeah. come and help that's you actually yeah. That's actually my
1: there. wife's weekend. So, that'll be good.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, we're we're gonna do that. We're going to do that, but I, I so, do, yeah, so you said the course bucks. was 1800 The best bucks? way to
1: reach us at, um, let me get a couple places here. I have this up here. Okay.
0: Well, hang on. Guys listening, if you type in promo code, the Western Huntsman, you're going to get the course for 1800 go. bucks. That's <laughs> a hell of a deal.
1: And um, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And then, <laughs> so so there's a couple ways you can reach us. Um, so you can reach me on my email. Um, that's one way. Are you going to have these links on on the podcast at all, where people can see it?
0: Yeah, okay. th- That's what I wanted to ask you. is like, do you want me to have? Is there like a specific website for the Western we, Wolf Academy? Or we haven't uh, created a website for it, it
1: yet. Um, but I, I say honestly, the best way to reach us right okay. now would be through through Gmail, actually. Um, and you can reach me or you know Katie Small okay. who. And Justice Malls, who are going to be a part of the camp. Well, I mean, we're teaming up on this camp. Um, I'd say she's the best email to reach out. She's kind of the organizer of the camp itself. And so I'll, um, in the podcast, I'll leave. I'll leave that with you. Do you want me to say the email, the Gmail, right now, or or just we'll uh, leave it in there.
0: Yes. Yeah, say it. Say it now, and then I'll also put it. Say okay, it now, so and so it's then I'll Kate put it in the show notes Small well.
1: Outdoors at Gmail dot com,
0: and so Kate Small Outdoors at Gmail Reach out to her, um, and
1: and we'll we'll, we'll get a price go ahead. like, or we'll uh, we'll collect the payment from you to hold the spot, and we'll see you at camp in the summer. Very simple.
0: fantastic and then let's let's plug the online course just in case uh there's folks okay, yeah. that, that can so make i've had a couple
1: people say like oh, i really want to be the camp this year but um is there another way and i'm like heck yes there is there's we have the wolf hunting masterclass and so that's um um wolfhuntingmasterclass.com you can go there and you can learn everything you need to know about wolf hunting um Although it's you know it's online, so it's not necessarily hands-on, but I teach you everything from wolf behavior. I really that's the first thing I cover in the Wolf master Masterclass. I'm like honestly, just I mean the first section His behavior, like the couple hours first couple hours of of the of the online class, it's just straight about wolf, like about wolf behavior, and and then after that, then I start going into hunting techniques throughout the entire year. So if you're hunting. The winter months, if you're hunting the spring months, summer months, fall months, I pretty much give you like, like if you're choosing to hunt this time of the year, this is what to expect. These are some hunting strategies, this sort of thing. And and so I cover throughout the entire year. I also cover timber country, open country. In fact, Justin Katie Smalls, I had them on a section of, of the Wolf Hunting Masterclass, the online one. Because they are so successful in that, um, in that Frank Church Wilderness area, you know, there's a lot of country down there. I might,
0: I might need to, I might need to get them on the show. Man. Yeah, you, yeah, they're great. The they,
1: they'd be great to talk to. Yeah.
0: Well. When you say they're great to talk to, Tom, are you saying they're second behind they're at, Tom Schneider? They're, they're good. They're good hunter. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. i'm totally kidding you no that's that's awesome i i should get him on i have thought about it uh-huh. a million times and I, i've just never asked him um and you're so close that it's like man, yeah. yeah i'll get tom on again um okay so i'm gonna have that in the show notes as well the, yeah. the master class online course uh what what is the price uh, of that, that weekend, one is
1: for 447
0: So, guys, if you pay four forty seven and you are successful with a wolf, you will essentially in in, a, in many units throughout the state of Idaho, and you're a member of, you know, you get your thirty five dollar membership for F four W M. You're going to more than double your money, and and I I do firmly believe I want to caution people that are listening to this. Maybe you're uh, we have a lot of listeners in like California and Texas where they don't have wolves, and they get it in their mind they want to come and, and hunt wolves in the state of Idaho because Idaho makes it very easy. I don't recommend coming here to do that without taking one of these courses because A, it's harder than you think it is. And B, we don't want you coming here and educating our wolves without having the knowledge as to how to approach these wolves and, and hunt these wolves effectively without leaving the entire pack knowing what, is going on if that, and I hope I'm making sense, but it makes it way harder for us to take care of our wolf problems if we have a bunch of people coming here that don't know what they're doing when it in wolf country and scaring the wolves away. Uh, they get they get yeah. super wise. Yeah, no, fast. and I want to emphasize so that too. Just, I would really if encourage okay if everybody I could emphasize to it too.
1: There. Just in our unit, we have we have some really. Yeah, I'm not trying to chase yeah. people out of our unit, but what I'm saying is, is our unit here, we have some really skilled hunters and trappers that I feel like we have our unit under control. And so some people are like, well, I thought you need help. And it's like, well, we do because I can't cover all units, right? So what I'm saying is like, when I say, hey, we need your help, I'm not telling you to come in my neck of the woods. What I'm telling you is hunt the units next door. There's a lot of country, especially like, here's the country that really needs your help. Um, A lot of the Northwest Montana areas, like, if you're to look at like the wilderness areas of the Cabinet Mountains, um, even just south of that in the and area, yep. if you're looking in the Clearwater, the Clearwater is a very wolf-infested area that needs your help. Um, I say the Selway-Bitterroot Wilderness is another area that really needs your help. The Frank Church Wilderness is hit miss. There's parts of the of the Frank Church where there are some really skilled hunters and trappers, but then there's other parts where where people don't there's not much hunting pressure. So you can find wolf pockets in the Frank church wilderness areas too. So that's like, if you just need like a foundation of like, okay, where do I go? Wolf hunting. Those are some areas to choose from. Now I'll say this Montana. I feel like you're going to have higher odds in hunting wolves because Montana is still a little bit fairly strict with their hunting and their trapping laws and their, and the, um, the season dates, like they're very limited. And so you're yeah, the when season you pace. actually hunt yeah. wolves there, you're actually gonna have a little bit more success and a lot more responsive wolves than you're on Idaho where they've already had some a high amount of hunting pressure. Um, but there's still like I said, there's pockets. I still find pockets. Mm-hmm. But the thing is for me, I kind of know where the wolf like the, the wised up wolves are the ones that like I mean, we knocked them down too much so much that there's only one or two left, but those one or two, I tell you what, there's you can throw the best trapper in the world in there and they won't hook either one of them. Like they're just, they're so smart. It's like those wolves will die of old age. And, but the thing is two wolves don't do much of an impact in an area. It's when you got a pack. So as long as you can keep the numbers down, then, then you're, you're going to start seeing a rebound in your wildlife numbers. But what makes me laugh is people come up here to hunt wolves. And it's like, they're from, they're from like Utah. So it's like, dude, you didn't, you didn't have to come this far. (laughs) You
0: You drove, you drove way further than you needed to, uh, for, for units that are way, dude, I always tell out of staters this, like if you're going to come to Idaho to hunt, don't freaking come to the panhandle. And it's not because I want it to myself or anything. It is because it is the most difficult unit. It's like, it's, it's, it's advanced hunting. And I, I'm not saying that to, mm-hmm. I don't want people to take me wrong in the way I'm saying that, but there's way yeah. easier well, units I, to spend your money on. The panhandle is, is yeah. well, I mean, a I different love animal. You know what I mean?
1: beautiful, but I the, really what I say to people too, because you, you know, us like, if you watch our YouTube channel, we travel a lot. We don't, we're not stuck locally. So we travel to hunt, but I only hunt yeah. here because it's convenient. It's you know, I live here, so so it's convenient.
0: But exactly,
1: when I go to like southern Idaho or central Idaho and some of these units, I can actually I'll, the numbers are way better. I'm seeing triple, quadruple the elk numbers. Um,
0: the game mm-hmm. numbers are better. The terrain's yeah. better. The like conditions yeah. are better. The access is better. Mm-hmm. I I just I don't know. Like I. I I love North Idaho for the lifestyle and 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 you know um, just living here, homesteading here, and all that kind of stuff. But in in terms of like, I would much rather hunt the mountain range mm-hmm. that I grew up in 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 central Utah. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for for both elk and deer, it's uh, it's mm-hmm. better country. But, yeah. yeah.
1: It's just better and then, and then the other thing I want so, to mention too. Um, sorry if I'm I'm taking too much of your time, but um one other. The other thing I wanted to mention is, no, you're good, man. you know, some of those, you know, cause I did mention those areas that I said, like, Hey, look, like these are the areas that are most infested. But if you were to ask me two years from now, that might change. And so it never hurts to mm-hmm. just like on our stuck and in right Instagram to throw me a message, like PM me and say, Hey, like we want to make a wolf trip out of it. And we've taken your online class or whatever, like, where should we go? I'll point you in the right direction where I feel like, like, hey, like, cause, cause wolf populations just like wildlife populations change regularly. And, and, you know, like right now in an area where it's really dense with wolves, a lot of wolf hunters and trappers will hit that area. And then, then, you know, a year or two down the road, it's not like that anymore. Yeah. But then this area has been neglected. And now this is a high infested wolf area. So you know, that's the one thing that, I mean, right from the beginning, you and I talked, we talked about being adaptable. And, it, you know, this is what, one thing I've learned. Mm-hmm. If you follow people, you're going to get people. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of simple logic. But as a fisherman.
0: I love it. Dude, you get, You should make yeah. a stuck in the rut t-shirt that says that.
1: Yeah. If you follow people, you, you will find people. I hunt, I try to find people. I don't go to a it's funny you I say this but like I don't go to a hunt forum to tell me where to elk hunt like I go to the place where nobody wants to go (laughs) that's where I find the game who knew (laughs) but yeah that's exactly but no it's great man man. I I enjoy I enjoy these podcasts yeah and I always appreciate because I know you you know I know you have your life and things you got to do but man I know you're when you, when you have me on that you're, you're here to help me. And I appreciate you having me on today.
0: No, I, I appreciate you. It's, it's a, uh, it's a mutual, mutual benefit, man. I, uh, the, uh, we, uh, that last time we recorded that wolf episode, um, guys, I wish I could remember what number that was, but I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was for 2021, I believe. um, that was one of the higher downloaded episodes of the year. Um, so it's 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 always good. It's always good having you on. Um, I value our friendship, and and I, I just I really enjoy picking your brain, and I, I think that mm-hmm. people just get a lot out of it. So, um, you know, uh, again, I've I've been, I, I've been keeping you for two hours. <laughs> probably wrap it up, but uh, I do really appreciate it, man. Uh, I I. I hope those those of you listening seriously consider it. If you're in a position to go do this, uh, the Western Wolf Academy down in Cascade, Idaho, uh, again, it's July 6th through the 9th. Um, that's a heck of a deal, guys. I, I think it's one of those um, three-day courses, like uh, three days that would change the course of your life in terms of your, your wolf hunting career. And, and you're going to grab nuggets from all sorts of different uh, hunting perspectives that will apply to multiple different species that you hunt. And and so uh but the idea is just getting getting that that wolf knowledge and 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 making you successful little pay for itself. So uh, I think that's awesome. So stick mm. on the top uh, stick on the line here uh okay. Tom, but I'm going to I'm going to push stop here. Um and and I will have all this information in the show notes, guys. Uh for those of you listening um, all these links are going to be in the show notes, and I will, um, you know, check them out. See, see uh, I think it's worth it. I, I, I totally think it's worth it for you. So check it out. And, Tom, again, I appreciate hey, the, you so being much. on the show, man. This was a lot of fun. You made it.